I thank God for you. I really mean that. I thank the Lord for you, God's wonderful people, beloved of the Lord. So glad you're with me today. A very important teaching today on defeating temptation. And I mean every temptation. I'm going to show it to you from the Word how to live victoriously and be an overcomer in Jesus' wonderful name. And make sure to share your this teaching with your friends. But now let's pray. Wonderful Lord, thank you for your word, your promises. We give you all the praise. And God's people said, Amen. Let's go to James chapter 1. I'm going to read verse 2. And then I'm going to stop at verse uh, 4. But then we're going to go to verse 12 and 14. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have her perfect work, that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. That word entire means complete. And then if, you, if we go to verse 12, Blessed is the man that endureth temptation, for when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Now, I think everyone knows we are in a war. The Christian life is warfare. And when we got saved, we began to find out how much of a word it really is. Ephesians chapter 6, and I'm sure you all know this beautiful portion here, and very important that we understand it. For it says in verse 12, We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Now, I'm not really teaching here on the full armor. I just want you to understand that the devil's aim in temptation is to entice people away from the Lord. So they would serve him because the Bible calls him the tempter. Remember in Matthew 4, 3, he's called the tempter. Satan is the one who is the tempter. So... He does this by appealing to the craving of our sinful nature. Temptations come when we allow the enemy to appeal to our sinful nature. In Ephesians chapter 2, and we have to really understand this, this is so important. Let's read uh, Ephesians 2, verse 1, 2, and 3. It says, And you hath he quickened, who were dead in trespasses and sins. That's what happened when you were saved. Where in time past, before salvation, you walked according to the course of this world. That word course means age of this world. According to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation or conduct in time past in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind. And we were by nature the children 
of wrath. So Satan appeals to the sinful nature. That's when the troubles really begin. The sinful nature cannot and will not respond to God. The sinful nature only responds to the world. And the enemy, you know, targets that. In Galatians 5 and 17, you know, people don't really realize this. The sinful nature is not saved. It cannot be saved. It cannot be transformed either. It must be crucified. So think about every one of us was born with a sinful nature that stays with us. Even though our soul is saved, our spirit completely restored and complete in the Lord, yet that sinful nature is still there. So the Bible says in Galatians 5.17, for the flesh or the sinful nature lusteth against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary the one to the other. I'm reading Galatians 5.17. So that ye cannot do the things that you would. In other words, we want to submit to God. We want to follow the Lord. But when the sinful nature becomes strong, and I'll show you how that happened, that sinful nature will not even allow us to lean on the Lord or depend on the Lord. We become uh, entangled in the in that old man, old nature. I remember somebody I knew really, really well years ago. He kind of backslid a little bit, and he said to me, he said, it was like I wasn't saved anymore. He said, all the, the troubles I had when I was not saved came back. Well, that's what, what happens when we allow the, the enemy to appeal to our sinful nature because we're not really overcoming temptation. We're not fighting. We're not standing our ground. We're not resisting. And the enemy sees that weakness and comes right in. So that old sinful nature cannot, I repeat, it cannot be changed. It must be what? Crucified. Galatians 5.24 tells us what? And they that are Christ, they that belong to the Lord, have crucified the flesh with the affections. That word affections means passions and lusts. So how do you do that? How do you get to the, to the place you can really defeat the tempter, defeat those temptations that come at all of us every day we live? So I want to give you some keys here. Number one, you have to develop the right attitude. You cannot really win against the enemy with a wrong mental attitude. The Bible actually tells us in Romans 8, and I'm going to show you scriptures on this. In Romans 8, 28, and, and I know we all, you know, have memorized the verse and people have sung you know, songs about it. But I don't think some people really understand this. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God. To them who are the called according to his purpose. And I think um, when we really develop that positive spiritual life, 
positive attitude spiritually. And we begin to say the right things and do the right things and see our life in a positive way. That's how it starts. So we know, Paul says, we know that all things work together for good. So James 1, 2, and that's why James 1, 2 says what? It says rejoice. When temptations come, don't see them as a negative. See them as something God will use to really strengthen you. So he said, my brethren, count it all joy. Wow. Count it joy? Yeah. Count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. Well, how can I be joyful when I'm tempted? Well, because that's the, that's the, the, the Christian life. The kingdom of God is what? It's peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. Righteousness, peace, and joy. When we live that kind of life, when we're close to the Lord, we're walking with the Lord. We And look, the devil will still tempt us, no matter how strong we are, okay? But we, 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 we have the ability to be strong, the ability to be joyful. But how can we be joyful and how can we be positive in our attitude without what? Being alert. So that's the second key. Jesus said in Matthew 26, 41, he says, watch and pray that you don't fall into temptation. Watch, be alert. Let's read that beautiful part there. I know you know it by heart, but it's always good to see the Bible. It's always good to read it, even though you've heard it, maybe read it before. But you know, faith comes by hearing, not by what we heard yesterday. Watch and pray that ye enter not into temptation. The spirit is willing, the flesh is weak. Well, we've, we've all have been there. So what does it mean to watch? What does it mean? Well, I'll tell you what. When, when someone is proud, when someone is careless, when someone is boastful on how strong he really is, he is headed for what? A fall. Because we have a warning in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. And the warning is very, very serious. This is why people fail, because they don't, you know, uh, pay attention to this. It says, wherefore, I'm reading verse 12. 1 Corinthians 10, 12. Wherefore, let him that thinketh he standeth take heed, lest he fall. Wow. Meaning, the, the individual who, who has the, his confidence or her confidence in themselves, they are the ones that the enemy will know and target. Those who are proud, careless, arrogant. Yeah, I'm, you know, I'm walking with God. I'm strong in the Lord. And these are the religious folks. They are the ones who seem to use the Bible all the time, you know, against, you know, you and me. They really don't know the Lord. They know doctrine. Please hear me. They don't worship the Lord. They worship doctrine. And they are the judges of the body of Christ. They are the ones who condemn people and attack people publicly out there. They are the ones who have that arrogance that mean-spirited spirit, you know. They're self-righteous people. The Bible says, take heed, lest you fall, lest you fall. 
we're all tempted. If our reliance is on our own education, upbringing, religious upbringing, all the rest, it's not going to work. When we are dependent upon the Lord, ah, that's different. So that's why Jesus said, watch and then pray. You know, in other words, we, we stay connected to the Lord. We, we call upon the Lord. All right, now, number three. Number three, you, the only way to defeat temptation, besides what, what, what I just gave you, okay? Number three is this. You have to stay away from forbidden territory. What is that? Well, it's, number one, forbidden territory is where the devil rules, meaning uh, the occult, meaning witchcraft, fortune-telling, horoscope. People say, well, I don't do that. Let me, let me ask you a question. How many Christians do you know that wear occultish symbols on their body? I've seen them in, in, in churches. Or they like to buy things ignorantly, not knowing they represent Satan's kingdom. You know, I come from the East, from the... the that part of the world is full of that stuff. People go to Israel often and buy cultish symbols that you see everywhere in homes and in, in uh, taxicab, the evil eye with the hand. You know, they, they think it's some kind of souvenir. No, it represents the devil's domain. And people that read the horoscope in, in these uh, uh, gossip magazines, it's, it's all over the place. Gossip magazines are full of the horoscope. Or they follow the stars or this and that. And they think it's okay. No, it's not okay. That's forbidden territory. God warns us against that over and over and over. Do you remember the man named Ahan in Joshua chapter 7 who brought a curse on Israel because he himself was greedy and he got... Uh, some demonic images and brought them into the camp and, and, and God walked away from the whole nation as a result. So now they come to this little town called Ai, or I, you could call it whatever is easiest, and it says they were defeated. It says, and, and when Joshua came to God and the Lord said, Israel has sinned, they have also transgressed my covenant, which I have commanded them for they have even taken of the accursed thing. There's a lot of people today with accursed thing in their homes. They have stolen, they've disassembled or deceived also, and they have put it even among their own stuff. You know, the, the, the demonic world um, comes through three avenues. Number one, images. Number two, sound. Number three, smell. Notice among the cults, what do you have? Images. They, they, they worship images. What, what else? Drum beats or repeated sentences, sound. And three, they burn incense. And these things attract demons. That's in the Bible. I come from that world too, by the way. When, when, before I got saved, we, we had... Two ladies came to our home every day to read our fortunes. 
Every day, come on. We, we, I mean, I lived in that stuff. We were always very accustomed to the supernatural. We lived with it. Well, we didn't know better because I wasn't saved. I was just a little boy. Then when I got saved, thank God, all that stopped. I was 19 years old. Then my mom, my dad, my family were also born again. We threw all that out of the house. In fact, burnt it. But I'm going to tell you things. A lot of good-meaning uh, believers who call themselves born again bring things in their home. And they wonder, why am I tempted? Because you have gone into forbidden territory where the devil rules. So this is very, very serious. Okay, number four, if you really want to be an overcomer and defeat temptation, don't play with fire, meaning don't entertain sin. All right, now we're going to talk about this. This is very important. I, I'm not sure that I'll finish the entire, te- the entire teaching today because there is so much now I'm going to get into just to help you. Let's look at Romans 13 and let's look at verse 14. What does it say? It says, put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ and don't make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lusts thereof. So people who watch filthy movies, they're playing with fire. People who have filthy magazines, playing with fire. Anything that stirs the old man, the flesh, anything that stirs the evil in that old flesh, the old man, the Bible calls, that sinful nature, anything that stirs it up within people, that's the devil's trap. The minute they allow things like filthy movies or movies on the occult or programs dealing with devils, supernatural, the dark side of the supernatural, the minute they're looking at uh, uh, filthy programs, sexual programs, and it stirs all that up. And that is playing with fire. So we, we have to cut out of our life. We have to cut it out. Everything and anything that will make us stumble and fall into, into sin. Now, a lot of people have not understood Matthew 5. Now, when, when I got saved, I didn't even understand this portion. It actually bothered me. But, you know, I've been saved now over 50 years, so I fully understand what this means. Look what the Lord says. I'm reading verse 27. Let's just read together verse 27 through verse 30. I'm going to explain that. You have heard it was said by them of old time, thou shalt not commit adultery. But I say unto you, whosoever looketh on a woman to lust after her hath committed adultery with her already in his heart. Now here's the part, here's the part a lot of people don't get especially after you you get saved. If your right hand offends you, pluck it out. When I read that the first time, I'm thinking, wow, I have to take my eye out? 
Well, that's not what the Lord meant, of course. I'll explain that to you. But let's just keep reading. And cast it from thee. It is for it is profitable for thee that one of thy members should perish, and not that thy whole body should be cast into hell. If thy right hand offend thee, if your right hand causes you to sin, what does the Lord say? Because that's what the word offend means. It'll cause you to sin. Cut it off. Cast it from thee. It is profitable for thee that one of thy members should perish, and not that thy whole body should be cast into hell. All right? What is the Lord saying? I had a guy one time come to me in church. I was a pastor. He was really shaking up. He just got saved and read this. He said, I read it where, where, where the Lord said, if, 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 your, if your eyes sin, pluck them out. He said, I can't help looking at girls. I'm always being tempted and I'm not strong. He said, am I to take my eye, my eyeballs out? I said, no, that's not what the Lord meant. Because he had a real problem with it. But he just got saved. What the Lord is asking here is drastic action meaning stop looking. Stop looking at anything that will cause that old flesh to be stirred up. Stop touching anything that causes that old man to be stirred up. I'm going to bring a a teaching this week that I've never brought before on the Bible and sex. What does the Bible say about sex? And I'm going to deal with things I've never dealt with, never even talked about. Because today there's so much stuff out there. So many things are being said that aren't even in the Bible. So we'll deal with that this week. Not tomorrow. Tomorrow I want to finish this teaching. But what the Lord is saying here is, You take that strong action where you absolutely stop looking. But but, but you say, how do I stop looking? Like that young man who said, well, I can't stop looking. I have a a weakness. Uh, This is where you have to stand and fight. But how? How do I stand and fight? I'm going to deal more with that tomorrow. And I'm going to take you to a portion in the Word that we have read and reread and reread and reread. Resist the devil. He'll flee from you. How? Submit to God. How? A lady came, came up to me years ago at church. Oh, she said, now I get it. I have to submit to God and then resist the devil. But she had no clue how. Okay. Submit to God. But how do you submit to the Lord? Is it mental? No. Emotional? Never. So I want to I wanna wait till tomorrow. I know you don't want me to continue. God love you. But this is a very important uh, section of the teaching. How do we submit to God? James 4, 7. Submit to God. Resist the devil. Stand up and fight, basically, and he'll flee. Okay. Well, I'll give you I'll give you this, and then I'll stop. You have to place yourself 
under God's full control to be able to fight, to stand up and fight, to resist. Resist, that's what it means, stand up and fight. To resist the devil, boy, now the devil is a strong enemy. He's been there a long time. He knows exactly how to defeat any one of us. But when we submit to the Lord, that's the real key. Submit to the Lord is way more than, okay, Lord, I give you my life. It means nothing. Lord, I surrender. Mm-mm. It's a life. It's a process. It's a life. Nobody begins the Christian life by being able to submit fully. It's a struggle. It's a, it's a, it's, it's a war. But there's a good ending to all this. When you're doing it right, when you're fighting and winning, there's joy in your life. That's why James said, rejoice. Well, I can't rejoice if, if, if I'm defeated. I can't rejoice if I'm fighting and not seeing any results. I'm not winning anything. I can't rejoice. So we have to wait till tomorrow. Because to place ourselves under God's control is a big question. How? It took me years to find out. Not months, years. I was saved in the 70s, early 70s. I was in church every night, and I mean every night. Twice on Sunday, I would go to the catacombs church on Sunday morning, Maxwell White Sunday night, Monday Bible study, Tuesday youth, Wednesday midweek, Thursday the big gathering of young people in the catacombs, over 3,000. That was probably the greatest of all the services. It was like a revival going on, went on for years. Friday was the Timoth- uh, was a youth called the Timothy uh, youth, youth meeting at a, a uh, Catholic church or an Episcopal church where we met, but uh, we were all charismatic young people would sit on the floor and many would play guitars and tambourines and somebody would minister the word. It was a beautiful time in my life. Saturday was a class at the pastor's house called Timothy class. And then Sunday began all over again. And and I heard every Bible teaching that you can imagine. It helped me for a long, long time, of course. But nothing really changed till I went to Catherine Kumin's meeting. That is when the victory began in my life. That's when I began to understand the practice of God's presence, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, the abiding in Jesus that was continual. And at that time, I didn't even know that that was the beginning of the victories I've had in my life. I'm still here. Longevity is the proof, isn't it? At least you've done something right. So we'll talk more tomorrow. And I pray what I'll say will help you. But I can tell you one thing. Catherine Kuhlman used to say, always stay close, in close proximity to the master. He only healed those who stayed in proximity to him. He only delivered those who were close enough to be delivered. And as many as came close were healed. 
as many as touched him were made whole. So those in the distance, even physically, they saw him, but they didn't come close, did they? Coming close. It says they followed him and he healed them. They followed him and he healed them. So they were not able to be healed without being close enough to see him and follow him. Lord, give them that strength in you. Open their understanding, their spiritual understanding to see it all in Jesus' name and live that kind of life of victory. Amen. All right, it's time to give to the Lord's work. And I'm going to ask you today to sow seed generously because you really need it to protect your tomorrow. You know, this is the time to increase our seed. The Bible says in Ecclesiastes 11, it says, Sow a portion of seven, also of eight, for thou knowest not what evil will come to the earth. Meaning, in times of danger, we increase our giving because it protects us. In times of danger, when you see danger on the horizon, you increase the seed so you'll get a bigger harvest to protect you. Remember when, when Joseph had told Pharaoh, that there's a famine of seven years, they, they began to sow a lot to increase the harvest so they can have it when the famine came. Famine is coming. Something is going to happen down the road economically. Who knows? It could be some kind of a war, God forbid, or whatever. But let's pray it's not, it, it, it won't happen. All I can tell you is prepare now. Don't wait till it's too late. Prepare now with your giving. Increase the amount of seed you sow. Obey Ecclesiastes 11. Because it says, if you cast your bread, it'll come back. Then it says, sow a portion of seven, also of eight, for thou knowest not what evil will come. Okay. Lord, bless them as they sow. Give them a mighty harvest and a blessed future in Jesus' name. All right. You can sow on the platform you're watching me on. You can go to our website, benihin.org, or simply text BHM457. Seven, seven. Tomorrow, don't miss it. Much love. Bye-bye.